Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Irrational fear. We're really good at uh, digging stuff up in in Australia and making sure it can uh, fuel the rest of the world. G'day, Dan Elich here. I am pretty excited for you to listen to this. This is our Melbourne International Comedy Festival live show, which we did three weeks ago on stage at the Forum Theatre in Melbourne with Grace Tame, Alice Fraser, Dane Simpson, Gabby Bolt, uh, Dan Elich, Lewis Hobber, Andy McClelland, and also Zoe Daniel. And it is hysterical. Uh, Thank you for all those people who signed up to hear the first hear it first on Patreon. I really appreciate that. And I'm giving you a big shout out now. Big thank you to Kat, Laura Meyer, Lynn Morris, Roger Sidham, Michael Howard, Ben White, uh, Lauren Poppins, Emma Smith, Iona DeBella, Murray Waper, uh, Raft Wire, Sue Martin, Manda, Steve, Sam Bangma, Christina uh, Pham, Greg Fox, Isaac, Andrew Paslow, Arius and Megan G. Thank you all so much for signing up. Oh my God, it's been a great few weeks of Patreon signups. If you love what we do and you love listening to Jan Fran Has Issues uh, and Irrational Fear, please go to patreon.com forward slash Irrational Fear and chip in. If you love the sound of this live show that you're about to listen to now, please join us at the Sydney Opera House June 4 for our 10 years of Irrational Fear show. It is going to go for 10 years. No, it's not going to go for 10 years. Maybe about 90 minutes. But it's got a huge lineup as well. Veronica Milsom, Mark Humphreys, Gabby Bolt again. We just love Gabby Bolt. Lewis Hobber, myself, Sammy Shah is coming up from Melbourne. Also, Paul McDermott is going to be joining us as well. And we're going to have lots of other little bits and pieces as well. Lots of other little guests popping in to do one-off things. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a big show. June 4, 10 years of Irrational Fear please go to comedy.com.au, get yourself a ticket. So please enjoy Irrational Fear live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for coming here, Melbourne. Yes. This is amazing. Oh my God. Wow, wow. You know, when our producer said, do you want the 200-seater, the 300-seater, or the 800-seater, I said, give us the 800-seater. We'll fill it, almost. Uh, and I said, give me the MCG. I want the world. <laughs> right, tonight's show is a bit of a different kind of show. If you come to Comedy Festival, this is a podcast recording. I'm sorry. Uh, it basically just means uh, fewer jokes. Doesn't it? <laughs> Lower the expectation. Uh, but you get some discounts on a great mattress. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> We're going to put on a great show regardless, but you have to do your job as a great audience. Can you be a great audience? Fantastic. So part of that, you know, laughing, clapping, cheering, whistling, all of that, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. But heckling is, is out. You What's know? the opinion on, like, flares? Out. No flares? No, no flares. No py pyrotechnics of any kind? Uh, no, no pyrotechnics. Weapons. Bad. Uh, very bad. Unless they're uh, nuclear I'm going to have to get rid of some stuff. Yeah. Shania right Twain. Back. What about Shania Twain? Shania Twain's perfect. Thank okay, you. Yeah. Uh, so heckling is a little tricky. If you do heckle, you'll be removed faster than a liberal who's won pre-selection, uh, uh, who may be Lebanese. So uh, you'll be out. You'll be straight out of there. Straight out of there. Now, if you think someone next to you is going to do something, uh, just... Uh, Give them a stern look, the kind of look my mum gives her friends when she's got to explain what I do for a job. Uh, so that, oh, should, that should do the trick. Your brothers are so much better than you. I know, they are, they are. They're really lovely. So we're making this a safe space for, for you and, and our people on stage. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Great. Uh, and we're also going to cover some pretty tricky topics, okay? So, and we've got a lot of foul language. A lot of adult words will be flung at you, but there will be puns as well. Uh, the worst kind of adult words. Kind. We should give you forewarning of that. Uh, Alice Fraser is here. She's brought all the puns she has. If something does trigger you, something gives you uneasy feelings, um, Sophie Minette is over at the uh, uh, sound desk over there. She's waving by the sound desk. If you need to talk to someone during the show, go have a chat with Sophie or afterwards as well. We've got a, a place you guys can go. All right, great. Now, what else are we going to do here? Oh, big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Here we've got one right here. Big thank you, Tim. Thank you. Uh, I feel like this is like, um, like when you get on a plane sorry. and they're like, oh, big thank you to our Qantas One World customers. You, you <laughs> guys it. can enter That's the theatre first. It. I see more merch here. You, 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 you're a Patreon supporter? Oh, fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, you're a fear monger. Is there anyone here tonight who's never heard of the podcast and doesn't know why they're here? Just Perfect. one or two? Well, Great. You're about, you. to find, you're about to find out. Sign up to get a poster. I say we get this show rolling. Let's do it. Let's right, get the show started. Go. The other quick thing is right at the start, Dan likes to do three jokes. <laughs> um, and they're of varying quality. <laughs> but I would really appreciate it if, for the benefit of those listening at home, you laugh so loudly. <laughs> he, he really needs... His brothers are so much better than yeah. him. <laughs> he really needs this. Thank you, Lewis. All right. We're recording this episode of Irrational Fear on Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. All right, everybody, girl gang prepping for Irrational Fear with Grace Tame making the transition to a comedy stage. Any advice, Vidya? Yes, Grace, first you've got to just start by really trusting the stage you're on. I know it can be really scary. You're always like, oh, my God, is it going to collapse? But chances are it won't even just creak and fall under you. Yeah, right. Um, well, I have been on a few stages before. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, but this is a comedy stage, and much like the comedians on those stages, um, they're very unstable on the inside. Um, any advice for hecklers? Gabby? 
It's what, like, I mean, it's it's a horrible person yelling horrible things at you and we don't know why it happens. And I know that that might not have happened to you before, but, like, yeah. it's just, you know, it's a part of the comedy world, you know? I reckon I've been... Uh... Uh, I reckon I've been abused before. Oh, oh yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, no, of course. Um, of course you have. Um, and now, of um, course, saying stuff on stage, that's an important part of this, right? It's often, I find, it's funny because it's true. So you might just want to go on stage and, and just say the truth. Look, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Trust that the audience on your side and, yeah, believe in yourself, I suppose. That's actually... That's actually that's, really good advice. Yeah, like that's such a good way of looking at things. I might just write that. Yeah. You, yeah, can you yeah, write that down? Really good advice. I think that could really help us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> a rational fear contains naughty words like bricks, camera, fair come and section forty. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. a hostile reception at a Newcastle pub to which Scott Morrison said I reject the premise of the statement it's the same kind of reception I get everywhere and the Australian Grand Prix returns to Melbourne for the first time in two years when asked how excited that the race is back in Australia Daniel Ricciardo said (laughs) and the election has finally been called but we're running out of time for Peter Dutton to call a party room meeting to roll Scott Morrison This is a rational fear! A rational fear! <laughs> Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, former pre-selected Liberal candidate for Cook, Dan Illich. And you're listening to Irrational Fear at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, the petri dish of Australian culture and COVID-19. So thank you for coming here and risking your lives for a comedy podcast. Really appreciate that. This is the podcast that takes the scariest news and laughs in its face, much the same way Scott Morrison laughs in the face of a Commonwealth Integrity Commission with no retrospective powers. Uh, Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Every few weeks, our first fearmonger starts a new satirical comedy podcast from the Bugle, the Gargle, Tea with Alice, and the Joe Rogan Experience Experience. It's Alice Fraser. Hello. Hello. Hi. Alice, I, I haven't listened to the Joe Rogan Experience Experience. What's it all about? Oh, I think people are too scared of Joe Rogan. I think he's just a perfectly nice comedy meathead who accidentally got caught in a toxic spill at the Masculinity Factory. (laughs) And she's the lyrical, satirical miracle that isn't here to be empirical. It's Gabby Bolt. Gabby, this is your first ever Melbourne Comedy Festival as a solo artist, and you're already selling out. What's your secret? Uh, money laundering, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Works well. And he's a Gamilaroi man who just got married. Sorry, people, he's off the market. He's the purveyor <laughs> of Wagga Wagga's finest dad jokes. It's Dane Simpson. <laughs> now, I actually got that wrong. Sorry, Dane. Uh, you are the finest purveyor of jokes about your dad specifically. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Now, does he mind? Um, all right, he's too stupid to understand. <laughs> and each morning he siphons the blood of three 22-year-olds to keep himself fresh for the National Youth Broadcaster. <laughs> it's Triple J's last remaining geriatric millennial, Lewis Hubber. 
Lewis, how do you keep up with the Gen Z logo? The G Gen Z lingo? <laughs> how do I keep up with the Gen Z lingo? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like to just um, fuse it with lingo from my own time to make it easy. I'll say something like, uh, have you... Uh, pardon me, boys. Is that the Chattanooga Choo-Choo? <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> and he's a mu musical genius who is genetically gifted. It is Andy McClellan. Oh, thank you. I, uh... I'm just here to promote my extremely neat Gilbert and Sullivan-themed comedy festival show, so <laughs> come along. And they're a changemaker, Cage Rattler, Dragon Slayer, and she represented Australia in the 50-metre side-eye. It's Grace Tame! <laughs> um, Grace, how does one train for the 50-metre side-eye? Well, like the legend Don Bradman, I practice against a wall every day. <laughs> Coming up later in the show, we asked Zoe Daniel if this sign is big enough uh, or legal enough. But first, a message from this week's sponsor. Now, it is not cheap to rent out the forum, so I hope you forgive our sponsor for tonight. Uh, it's called Oil Cares. <laughs> a petroleum advocacy group dedicated to letting you know that oil, well, cares. Um, <laughs> please welcome their spokesperson, Vidya Rajan, for a quick word on uh, women, apparently. Uh, Vidya? Yes, Dan, oil cares about you, about me, and especially about women. <sighs> oil love woman. <laughs> Patriarchy has kept both oil and woman in ground for too long. <laughs> I'm a CEO. <laughs> hey, did you know BP actually stands for boss pussy? <laughs> Squad, yes. Gold, yes. Grace tamed the anti-fracking lobby. <laughs> Look, we love all cis and transcontinental pipelines <laughs> for cis and trans oil. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Vidya. Well, folks, the election is finally upon us. Yes, uh, today the Prime Minister and prominent gas man, Scott Morrison, <laughs> called the election at the last possible date he legally could, uh, which continues to prove just how this government is run by the Engadine Doctrine. Uh, that is, the principle of miring and indecision until the march of time forces action upon you. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> like shitting yourself in an Engadine McDonald's. Uh... Couldn't help yourself. Everyone got it, Dan. I know what! Uh, he's like, everyone's got it. He's like, and sh he, he means shitting himself. Yeah, well, I had to explain that for my dad, who listens, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you agree, this is how the whole country is run. Everything seems to be done in a hurry at the last minute. Oh, it's not how I remember it. I <laughs> seem to remember the vaccines arriving on time, <laughs> masks arriving on time. Yeah, people whose houses burnt down got immediately rebuilt, only to be washed away again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I find the most unbelievable part of this is that your dad listens. To <laughs> <laughs> like, you do not have supportive parents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I got an email today. Uh, this is, uh, I told everyone backstage, I got an That's email true. today from dad saying, I just listened to the last three irrational fears. And I was like, oh, great. We've been doing it for 10 years, dad, catch up. <laughs> If your you brother you started a podcast, boy, would he listen. <laughs> you can quit comedy now that you have parental approval, yeah. finally. <laughs> That's it, I'm going to become a lawyer. 
But tonight I thought we'd start with the story of how many of you in the room helped me force Scott Morrison to do something at the last minute. Uh, let me take you back to September, a time before the last five one in 100 year floods. Uh, <laughs> It was a month out from COP26 in Glasgow, the UN climate conference. We wanted to take a rational fear there and put shows in, in Glasgow in a pub like we do, but someone forgot to reply to emails from Pfizer and we just couldn't manage to do it. Um, so we were all stuck at home like many of you. And so I wondered, what could I do from there? How could, how could we have an impact from there at these conferences? So I don't know if you know, but at, at these conferences, Australia is like enemy number one. We are like uh, the Barnaby Joyce, but of the world. Uh, <laughs> We're the third largest exporter of fossil fuels behind Saudi Arabia and Russia, so naturally we gang up with them to try and sabotage every international agreement that kind of ever comes out of these climate talks. You guys have probably heard all this at all the other comedy shows in Melbourne, I imagine. <laughs> the world, basically the world hates us, right? And, and what's more, Scott Morrison wasn't actually going to go. Like, he actually wasn't going to go to this conference because, uh, quote, it would disrupt his ability to engage in my normal duties as Prime Minister. We wouldn't want that. Yeah, which is so weird. It's so weird, like, uh, doing something would prevent him from doing nothing. It's a... Uh, <laughs> which annoying. is weird because he enjoys being far away when something's <laughs> yeah. going wrong. Exactly. So I wanted to send a message uh, to the world at this COP that, you know, the people that represent Australia at these conferences don't necessarily represent Australians. So I bought this billboard. It costs $12,225, somewhere in the back streets of Glasgow. I put a crowdfunding campaign together that I'm sure many people uh, donated to here. Anyone donated to JoeKeeper? Thank you. This is like, a, this is like, I feel like I'm reporting to the board of directors. <laughs> Now, which of you gave us money? There's none left. <laughs> so we could put a three bits of artwork on there. So we did uh, cuddle the koala before we make them extinct. I know, some people cried, some people laughed. That's our brand. Uh, 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 we did Australia net zero by 2300. <laughs> and uh, prominent climate economist Katan Joshi reached out. He said, did you steal that from my tweet? Because that's actually where we're going to end up because we're not reducing emissions fast enough. <laughs> And then I put up a, your own truthful billboard. Someone who donated $4,000 to the billboard could actually buy a truthful billboard of their own. So at 6.30 a.m. on the 27th of September, I put up this crowdfunding campaign. At 8.30 a.m., I got $12,000. <laughs> it was amazing, and the money kept coming. And then also somebody bought the billboard, a famous Australian celebrity bought it, and they, they DM'd me their request. Dan, I told you not to tell anyone I bought that billboard. <laughs> Richard Wilkins bought it. <laughs> yeah, look, sorry about our government bullshitting. Kind regards, Australia. Overwhelming majority of residents. Is there a poll we could refer to? And, of course, there is a poll. Uh, so that was amazing. So this taught me three things. People want climate action. I'm going to need more billboards, <laughs> and I'm going to need bigger billboards. Um, so I booked the biggest billboard in Times Square. Uh, it's so big, they call it Godzilla. That's how, that's how big it is. And weirdly, he just was like, we need to make sure people see Black Widow. <laughs> and so... And so just doing like, my bit for the Marvel Universe. I'm like, I thought it was about to be climate change. He's like, no, Scarlett Johansson's been overlooked for too long. <laughs> She's been relegated to the back of the Marvel movies. We get to the front. It costs $100,000 an hour, but I did a New York deal. We did it for 16 for 10 minutes, which was great. So uh, we got the artwork together. Now, uh, Andres, who is in the audience tonight, put some of this together. Thank you, Andres. <laughs> Look at that. It's incredible, right? 
And then uh, this one's actually came up, uh, Gabby actually came up with this one. Uh, I can't take all the credit. Thank you, Gabby, that was very good. Colophile Dundee. Uh, a Comic-Con parody, but Coley-Con with um, special guest Matt Canavan, winner of Best Cole Cosplay 2020. <laughs> Uh, this one from Sean Marsh, We're Rich in Sunshine, Wind and Climate Denial. Uh, then I turned one of my tweets into a billboard, the Australian government against humanity. And, and my favourite flop is over here. During a deadly pandemic, form a commission to fix the problem by building a gas pipeline! I'm pretty sure that's not how you fucking do it! At this point, uh, the only billboards in the world were owned by Danielek and Franco Cozzo. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Clive Palmer. And this one too. Yeah, look, sorry about our government. So we got the wonderful apology there for our celebrity. So the invoice is paid. Hundreds of Aussies RSVP'd. The press was invited. And also on Twitter, Russell Crowe CC'd CNN. Uh, he said, hey, Jake Tapper, have you seen this? And Jake Tapper said, I had not, Russell Crowe, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Russell Crowe. That hyphen is so aggressive. Uh, it's great. <laughs> October 15, 9.45 a.m. Me and my partner were by, by our TV trying to find the right webcam to watch <laughs> this happen. We couldn't quite find the right one. We saw this one, and then we saw this one. Yeah. <laughs> this giant billboard. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Um, so this is what some of the other artwork looked like from the street. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and here is my favorite billboard. <laughs> Missing person, last seen doing nothing. Answers to ScoMo and the coal lobby. Uh, that was me on CNN. You know, no big deal, whatever. Uh, so, is Scott going to Glasgow? Yes, October 15. Well, 9.45 a.m., no. 2 p.m., yes! <laughs> also, the Queen grumbled about him not going, so it was probably the Queen, but, you know, whatever. We fucking made him go. Well done to you! Thanks to everyone in this room! All right, so we had, we had some money left over, so we upped our billboards in Glasgow. We got some ones by the freeway on the way to the convention centre, some others in the suburbs of Glasgow. Uh, this one is in Armadale in Barnaby Joyce's electorate. And what's great is it's right next to the Maccas one, and everyone sees it. I get people, it's still up because no one wants this billboard. But people text me all the time. It's great. Horsham, Torquay, and we bought some billboards around uh, Scott Morrison's electorate. This is in Cook. It says, visit the old growth stumps of Tasmania. Yes, Pete's from Tasmania. Give it a round of applause, yes. Grace is from Tasmania. We're oh. all here tonight, that means. Oh, oh. <laughs> and we've got uh, one in the Sutherland Shire, Hawaiian hideaway for when things get too hot at home. Bushfire sale now on. Um, this one in Engadine. Welcome to Engadine, the place where Scott Morrison last did anything. And this is my favourite one. Uh, a group of engineers and doctors got together and said, please, can you do a billboard about the future of jobs? We're so depressed. And I said, yeah, I can do a billboard about the future of jobs and young people. That's fine. So here's this one. Oh, hang on. Oh, it's not up there. Oh, I fucked it up. I deleted it. Sorry. But anyway. You can explain it. It was really great. Just it's describe on my it. Go look at it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Do, do, you describe um, it, yeah. Visual, give us a... 
Was that? Just describe it, no? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. So it had a, scheme? Had a picture of a young girl. She was in a... Uh, do, you want, do you want us to act it yeah. out? Yeah, 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 tone yeah, numbers, yeah. perhaps. I'll, yeah. I'll be the adorable I'll, young girl. I, oh, I need okay. a mortarboard. I'll Can you be a mortarboard? You be the adorable young girl. Adorable young girl, looking up, and it said, by 2035, Cassie will be qualified to put politicians in jail for historical climate crimes. <laughs> Can I just say, Dan, can yeah. I just say, so many people, uh, when you talk about climate change, they go, oh, I feel really helpless, I feel like I can't make a difference, yeah. right? And if we look at this man who cannot even put up the slide that he wanted to put up, <laughs> having made a massive fucking difference in Australian politics, if he can do it, you can too. Well, yeah. I'm so glad Alice told you the punchline of my story because it's <laughs> But here's one in Hawthorne for my Melbourne friends. Now, out of home media, they said, yes, you can have a billboard in Hawthorne, but that particular billboard is for non-political messaging. And I said, can I sell a standing desk? And, <laughs> and she said, yes, you can sell a standing desk. <laughs> so I put up this billboard in Hawthorne that says, hey, big space, it's time to buy a standing desk because you're about to lose your seat. <laughs> with, with the hope, with the hope that no one would ever dare write Josh next to it because that would make it political. <laughs> and we can't have that. Someone didn't write Josh, thankfully. Instead, they wrote Frydenberg. <laughs> It so much more sinister. <laughs> like, hey, it's time to buy a standing desk because you're about to lose your seat. Frydenberg. <laughs> so, U Media gave me a call after a month of that being up. In December, they gave me a call. They said, Dan, that billboard you put up, <clears throat> we've had complaints. The billboard is now political. And I said, no, it's not. It's just defaced. And they said, well, unfortunately it is political and we're going to have to pull it down. Now, I assumed it was the AEC and I thought, oh, well, the AEC, they're doing the due diligence, fair enough, it doesn't have an authorised on. Yeah, I get it, we're just making jokes, we're not a campaigner. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said, well, okay, fair enough, can we replace it? Yeah, so we can replace it. Um, then they said, no, you can't replace it. But it has been replaced since by this. <laughs> I reckon... That was the bloke who complained. <laughs> Josh Frydenberg's face now replaces our billboard, which is pretty astounding. That's pretty amazing. And annoyingly, his one has Josh Frydenberg in the right place. <laughs> at the top. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, Ooh Media, I had another run-in with them. Uh, I wanted to put up a billboard in Hinkler in Bundaberg. Uh, this is Keith Pitts electorate. He is the, uh, is the resources minister. He just basically, his job is to get as much coal out as possible. And he was famous for being on Sky News last year for not being able to admit on TV that batteries could possibly store power from solar and wind. He couldn't say it on TV. He couldn't even say the word battery. So, I pitched this to out-of-home media. I said, how about this? Uh, hey, Keith, batteries give you power in the dark <laughs> with a picture of a vibrator. And they said, no, too political, plus it's got a sex toy. No. I was like, okay, thank you, Ooh Media. Uh, how about this? Did you know batteries can give you power in the dark with a flashlight? And they said, no, too political. <laughs> I know, right? 
And then I pitched them this. I was like, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking buy a billboard out of spite. <laughs> so I said, how about this? Batteries, wow. They said... <laughs> and they, said they said yes. They said yes. But for keen-eyed observers out there... There it is. Oh, the, look. The only people... I was very disappointed about it, but the people who were happy were the battery store that it was above. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They're just like, oh, we just got a battery. It's amazing. <laughs> but for keen-eyed observers out there, you may recognise that also uh, it wasn't a flashlight. <clears throat> it was a... <laughs> it was a flashlight. Uh, yeah, yeah. So climate change, as Alan said, can make you feel extremely powerless, right? And, and, and this is a strange moment we're in. We're 45 days away from when we all can be a little more powerful. And I want to just implore you to please, this election, tell your friends and you yourself, don't vote for candidates funded by fossil fuels. All right. This is a rational fear. You need to continue to run your coal-fired power stations for as long as you possibly can. Your fear is rational. Everybody, Gabby Bow! You! Hi. Yeah, no, the keyboard's just a prop. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me look good. I don't actually play it at all. Uh, no. Uh, uh, recently, Scott Morrison um, said another great gem of advice, now that we're on the topic, that if you can't afford to rent a house, buy one. I said, no, that's stupid. Um, so I've come up with a new plan. Um, so just, sorry, in the, in the front of this area here, hands up if you're a homeowner. I'm, oh my God. Sorry, I just had to take a moment. Sorry, Andy, do I look, do I look okay? Yeah, 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 hairs in place, yeah, yeah, yeah smell, Oh, fuck, I smell horrible. You've got, you've got a nose ring, is that intentional? Oh, um, no, not oh. anymore. Um, okay, right. I have a pitch for all of you. You're all really beautiful. Um, are any of you going away? Anyone? Nice, young, disposable income having things like yourselves? I'm sure there's only a matter of time until you plan a holiday. Um, when you do, um, I want you to take my pitch on board. Okay, um, DJ, I'm ready. They fired me from all the clubs. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God, oh Jesus Christ. I think I'm ready. Waited so long, so let me in already. Hi. Don't you know that tonight I wanna take a ride? I'm gonna come inside. Ooh, don't think about it too hard. That's right. I wanna house sit. <laughs> let me sit in your house. Yeah, I wanna. Let me pretend that I own this $5,000 couch House, sit, oh, I'm gonna ride in your sheets 10,000 thread count House, sit, house. sitting in your house oh. <laughs> I know I'll never own my own So I gotta keep my options free I'll never penetrate the housing 
I'll let the market penetrate me. I'm squatted at my mom's rich friend's house. It's like a luxury Airbnb. Being a generationally wealthy boomer has never been so sexy to me. I'm about to house sit. Oh my god, is that a double door fridge? Holy shit, in this house, I House sit with a built-in ice dispenser. Holy shit, I love it. House sit, you've got a dishwasher, air condo, black mold in the bathroom. House sit, I fucking love ya. House. Thanks. Thank you for contributing to my deposit. We have a disease. We vaccinate ourselves against it. Islam is a disease. We need to vaccinate ourselves against that. Hello, I'm, uh, I'm not selling a lot of tickets this year at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival because not a flyer outside the town hall and Facebook ads do not work. Uh, anyone here from a Facebook ad? Yeah. Yeah, I made my point. Just... I wanted to talk about social media and propaganda. I was looking at the online messaging from Ukraine and Russia and made me think we should talk about cyber warfare and propaganda, like a proper hefty subject, difficult to address properly with the tools available to a comedian. Um, and then Elon Musk bought 9% of Twitter <laughs> on the premise that he is a free speech absolutist. And I found my in. <laughs> Elon Musk, a man with the face of a police sketch of a man <laughs> and the noble ambition that everyone should be able to speak as freely as him, the richest man in the world, without being subject to rudeness from plebs who don't understand your noble ambition to colonize the stars for humanity. Sorry, humanity. <laughs> he is a free speech absolutist. To do him credit, I believe that he is. He has ethical principles. I think he thinks he's a free speech absolutist. I'm sure he thinks that if you throw all ideas in the world into a thunderdome, the one that ends up beating all the other ones to death with its bare fists is the best idea. Of course he believes the person who ends up with the most money in the world deserves to get there by virtue. Because people say they're a free speech absolutist. I have friends who say that. I'm a believer in free speech myself. I believe in the right to offend because I know people who are offended by women talking or men crying or non-binary people <laughs> having haircuts. I... <laughs> I even believe people have a right to offend me. I love nothing more than a good faith disagreement with people who are willing to admit they're wrong. Because <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> but I'm talking about people who think anyone should be able to say anything because it's just words, you know? It's just words. The words, the one thing that's made us as a species capable of communicating, cooperating, building complex machinery, and each individual having access to more information than we could acquire in a lifetime by a process of licking stuff and seeing if it was poison. You know, just words. For all the free speech absolutists around and the simple clarity of that ethical stance, I see very few of them discussing the fact that the moment you have an algorithm in play, you do not have free speech. We have to stop blaming people for falling for the propaganda that they see online and start holding to account the invisible hand of a market that keeps offering us shiny perfumed testicles on a plate and telling us they're pearls. It's not your weird aunt's fault that she keeps getting served quote information from quote doctors who quote have the quote cure for quote lizard virus. <laughs> it's the fucking algorithm that's decided she should be offered things she likes based on things she already likes. Like a Tinder date who read you like long walks on the beach and brought eight barrels of sand to the date. 
daughter now, a whole fresh daughter, and I am terrified of the algorithm. She's going to be go straight into the algorithm. She's going to watch Teletubbies at the age of three, and by the time she's 25, she'll be watching Teletubbies 142. We already have Fast and the Furious 9. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> We're the species that invented Russian roulette. Let us take a fucking risk. Okay, sorry, you're not allowed to um, boycotting Russia. We're the species that invented roulette. Let us take it. Like, there's nothing you could have had before you had an olive that would tell you you would love an olive. No one was like, mmm, you love too much salt and the texture of pickled rubber bands. You'll love an olive. No, you just tried one one time and it was good. Fuck the algorithm telling you things that you're going to like as though it knows you. Right? Let us gamble. That's the thing. Right? We're people. We will always have these people-y things. We'll always have gambling and, and sex work and, and, and nonsense. We love nonsense. My issue is when a machine comes in and strips away all of the checks and balances and tips the slope so far downwards that normal people can't possibly resist the worst distortions of their own characters. So it's not enough to have a card table. You've got to hide the clocks and have free drinks and flashing lights and lure old people into poker machines at their local pubs. That's what the social media algorithm is. So the next time you want to blame someone for retweeting an article that they saw online and someone goes, oh, it's just words, it's just free speech. It is not free speech if there is an algorithm at play and Elon Musk can go fuck himself. <laughs> um, thank you, Alice. Uh, has... Anyone on this panel here ever been subject to like vicious or unfounded rumours on, on the internet? Dad, I'll take this one. Yeah, thank you. Never. <laughs> I've actually had Twitter until a year ago and I genuinely thought when I was hearing people talk about Elon Musk, I thought he was I thought he was a mollusk. <laughs> <laughs> and has your opinion changed? <laughs> No. Yeah. I would love to see, you know how Chemist Warehouse has like, uh, uh, like fragrances for everyone? I would love to see one in Chemist Warehouse. Elon's Musk <laughs> is, is one I'd buy. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Not smell it. Not smell it. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Um, now, what's the easiest way, do you reckon, to teach your friends and family media literacy? Like, do you have to sit down with your parents to say, oh, I'm sorry, no, uh, that picture of Waleed isn't going to make you rich? <laughs> I, I just have the luxury of shoddy not and giving it to my brother. To sold out. That's his oh, right. job. Yeah. yeah, good. I've never had to talk to my parents about technology once. So, well, sorry, oh, Sam. My yeah. dad's all over it. He's he's like all over techno. Like, he's over technology the way a boomer is. Like loves an iPad, loves being on speaker, but he is <laughs> like he's, he, he does he does know some uh, media literacy. Well, you know, Twitter is about. Also, he was the head of the Media and Communications Law Centre at the University. It helps. Of it helps. <laughs> <laughs> that helps, yeah. Dad, not... is your dad like that? I, I, I just genuinely, I thought that there was this rumour about me online and it was just like, because I, I have a, a Google... Alert. Th yeah. Alert, yeah, yeah, for me, right? <laughs> and, Arrogant. Superstar. <laughs> and it's, it's talking about Dane Simpson, uh, a superstar basketball player is now basketball... And I'm like, no, 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 I don't play... There's another Dane Simpson who <laughs> plays basketball. <laughs> oh... I, my online doppelganger, uh, we share the same name. His name is Daniel Illich. Uh, he used to be this creative director in LA. Now he is the creative director of Meta. Uh, and I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> You're going to do something. you will be the first to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my doppelganger, because my name is actually Lewis Hamilton. 
Hobber? Right. You, like, that's not a joke, that's genuine. Yeah. And so a lot of, oh, fuck it, I'll just say it, a lot of my, like, secret social media accounts are Lewis Hamilton. Great. <laughs> um, which started before kind of Lewis Hamilton... Well, like, obviously he was good, but he wasn't like Lewis Hamilton. So, but and now I'm just really angry at how success. Like there was a time I was going to change my name to Lewis Hamilton, and I was like, I'm going to be the most famous Lewis Hamilton there ever was. <laughs> uh, so the Grand Prix is actually particularly triggering for me. <laughs> um, everyone, please give it up for Dane Simpson. Yeah. Take this. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, this is going to be a little bit heavy, but you do have permission to laugh. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Don't worry, Dane. Just the weight of 60,000 years of your people's culture. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm Ernie Dingo, and um, no. Nah. <laughs> Uh, it does contain images of people who may have deceased, just for the mob in the room. Depending on when you're listening to this, it could even be fucking me. All right. I'm Dave Simpson, uh, Australia's greatest comedian and liar. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so we are going to be talking about a very heavy topic today. Oh, also, yeah, I'm from the Gamilaroi Nation. I'm an Aboriginal guy. Gamilaroi people, my people come from Walgett, which is outback New South Wales. Uh, it's a little town, so 80% Aboriginal, 20% cops. Now... LAUGHTER <laughs> I know, like, both my parents are Aboriginal, yeah? Um, I know that I don't look the... You know what I mean? And that's okay. <laughs> How that works is uh, my granddad on my mum's side was a white fella, right? So I don't know how that makes me Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I just am. I just... <laughs> constantly, every time I come to Melbourne, I'm constantly telling people I'm not Indian, I'm Aboriginal. Uh, there's even people in this room still looking at me. I think he drove us here. I didn't. <laughs> Different people. All right. I'm going to be talking today about Australia Day, right? And the problem with Australia Day. Obviously, there's a group of people who can't celebrate on Australia Day. And those people are people who have to work the next day. <laughs> you hear it. They're always complaining. Oh, you should come out and have a few. No, I've got to work tomorrow. You fucking loser, right? I th there's also other people who can't celebrate on the day. Oh, that's right, First Nation people. But why? Why can't they just join in? Australia Day is about drinking beers, having a sausage, and wearing the fucking flag as a cape. <laughs> I, uh, I did some research into this, and I tried to figure out what, how did we actually celebrate the very first Australia Day. And I watched this documentary called Lousy Little Sixpence. I encourage you to go and watch it. It was made in 1983, uh, and it talked about the Australian government and their idea when they first ever came up with celebrating Australia Day in 1938. Here's a little snippet from that documentary. Felix saluting. Australia today takes her place among the nations. We are building a great industrial civilization on this primary basis and developing a new race, a new force in the culture of mind and body. In this sunny land, sport builds a racial physique equal to any in the world. Australian history already bears the blazonry of glory won by our volunteers on the battlefields of the Great War. Yet only 150 years ago, Australia was still a nameless island inhabited by savages. Yes. To mark this proud record of progress, 
the government of New South Wales decided to celebrate with three months of pageantry and carnival. What a lovely celebration. Um, <laughs> yeah, 150 years ago, a nameless island celebrated, we were just full of savages, right? So it's, it's weird that Aboriginal people would want to get involved and celebrate on this day. Also, the documentary goes on to show the actual day and what they did to celebrate it. It's the Australian government. They wouldn't have done anything crook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not like they do like a fucking reenactment or anything like that, you know, take it over Australia. <laughs> it's not like they'd get Aboriginal people and starve them, put them in jail and threaten them if they didn't go along with what they had planned. Actually, that's exactly what they fucking did. History flames into life as the dramatic scenes of the first landing at Circular Quay are reenacted at Farm Cove. We see the natives gathering in corroboree to ward off the invaders just as they then did. In the face of menacing savages, the white men advance up the shore of the new land. There appears to be no women amongst them. Is there any likelihood of an ambush? So a handful of Englishmen took possession of a continent, a vast, unknown, primeval land. What the fuck? <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, Aboriginal people, why don't you just want to join in and celebrate with us? That's weird. You should just do it, right? But these are the foundations that we actually celebrate Australia on. Uh, and it's not like you can sort of... Well, I suppose you can have the argument, yeah, but we don't celebrate that today. It's not like the Australian government today does, like, a reenactment. <laughs> Scott Morrison <laughs> did an endeavour replica uh, to sail around Australia to mark 250 years since Captain Cook's arrival. It cost $6.7 million to do this as part of a $60 million budget. $10 million more than the bushfires, by the way. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, oh, this is a side note, actually. This is more for irrational fear, guys. Um, this is part of the document as well, and I just wanted to point this out. 1938, uh, those Aboriginal protesters were getting some traction and were starting to, to get rights for Aboriginal people. Um, but the Australian press uh, put a little backstop in that and held it off for another 29 years. Aboriginal people wow. didn't get rights until 1967, and they played some propaganda. 1938, what was the most biggest fear that Australia people had? Australia is free. Perhaps in the past, too free. Nowhere could this be better illustrated than in Sydney's great domain. It is here that free speech has been allowed to all. We had a visit from one who started this craze on a pleasure cruise, he said, forgetting to mention that it was a pleasure cruise organized by the government of Germany. Even away in the little known interior, amongst the primitive natives, there are townships where agents of Hitler wait and plan for the downfall of a country that has sheltered them and given them security. Yeah. Hitler had some pretty out-there tactics. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what you should do? Get on the fucking Princess Ruby and go to Adelaide. Get your way to Alice Springs and get this guy on board. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll defeat Australia from the inside out. You know, it's weird too because he looks so happy when they're filming him. And they're like, can we film him? Yeah, absolutely. Wait. You're not going to say, I work with the Nazis, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting back to it. So, where do we go to from here? What do we do about these foundations? Do we, do we change the date? That's a popular thing. Should we change the date? If we do change the date, what should we change it to? Uh, suggestion that always comes up, we should change it to May 8, because that's mate. <laughs> right? That's cool. I get that. The only problem with that, it's Anthony from the Wiggles' birthday. <laughs> 
if we make it that, we're going to piss off all the other Wiggles. Yeah. So what do we do? What about a sporting hero? We'll make it a sporting hero's birthday. They're problematic, aren't they? Uh, moving on, music. Let's, let's get a musician. Shannon Noll? <laughs> let's get somebody that we all know, somebody that we all love, somebody that we can all get around, somebody wholesome. Ben Lee, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. We all love Ben Lee. Let's make it his birthday. When's his birthday? September 11. Okay, let's... <laughs> Maybe not. Ugh. Also, if we do put it on somebody's birthday, then we're taking away their special day, aren't we? And stealing something that isn't ours is how we got here in the first place. <laughs> we should start fresh. Start fresh, reset. Right, and what date is better to start fresh and reset? It's the 1st of January. That's when we should be doing it. If we do it the 1st of January, we move New Year's Day to the 2nd of January. Makes us unique, right? We get a day off. <laughs> day off for Australia Day. Then we've got New Year's Day on the 2nd of January. Day off. <laughs> do you know who's happy? Everyone, everyone, including people who had to work the next day. <laughs> Thank you, you legends. Dang, Simpson, everyone. Irrational fear. We're really good at uh, digging stuff up in, in Australia and making sure it can uh, fuel the rest of the world. Irrational fear. I mean, it strikes me there's a day that's about to become available. I just don't know how many more birthdays the Queen has. Um, <laughs> And administratively, it's already day off. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any suggestions for days? Tuesdays. <laughs> it's every Tuesday. It'll lose its punch a little, but it'll be fun. I mean, September 11 is no good, but September 12, like, pick it back up again? <laughs> we, we could move Halloween, do it then. Halloween in springtime never works, right? You know, too yeah. many flowers and bees and lovely things. I mean, unless you're allergic to bees. But, yeah, Halloween, great. <laughs> Halloween's good. Yeah. Uh, I think there'd be a problem for some football players around then. Uh, <laughs> well, they may dress up as. Yeah. What's your, what's your ultimate suggestion, do you think? The ultimate suggestion is the 1st yeah. first of January. It's Federation as well in 1901. Oh, yeah, totally. For the people who care about that stuff, I don't. Um. <laughs> I mean, you were saying it would ruin someone's birthday if it was on their birthday. I'm already a twin. I don't have a birthday of mine. You can have my birthday if you like. Hey, <laughs> thank you for being so generous, Alice Fraser. <laughs> well, still to come on Irrational Fear, we've got Grace Tame, Lewis Hobber, and Zoe Daniel. But before we do that, we've just got another quick message from the show sponsor, uh, Oil Cares, for a quick word on uh, race, apparently. Uh, that's right, Dan. Oil loves you and me, and also it loves race. Oil love race. Black, brown, yellow, we love. Hey, have you heard of Martin Luther King, dumb of Saudi Arabia? Aha, uh -huh, that's right. We only source our product from countries of colour. Bet you didn't think about that. 
dream that one day all oils will matter. Thank you. Thank you, oil. Forum, please give it up for Grace Tang. Before I get started, I'm just going to give a couple of shout-outs. Is Lily here? Did she make it? No? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you win some, you lose some. I do have to give a shout-out. Um, one of my best friends, Georgie, is standing in the wings. Um, she is the pun queen. Yeah, come out, Georgie. Georgie. Oh, Georgie. And also, my partner, Max, who's my rock, and poor old Max has been an audience of one. I've been going, is this funny? Is this funny? Is this funny? <laughs> it's a bit loaded at this point. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, crikey. What am I doing here? I'm not a comedian. <laughs> but if you look up the Venn diagram of me and these guys, you'll find that it's not actually a Venn diagram at all. It's just a great big flashing circle that says, go to therapy. <laughs> Uh, yes, the natural progression from very serious law reform campaigning is self-roasting. <laughs> <laughs> when Dan asked me to do this, um, he said, can you please do a monologue that is topical? And I'm on a serious mission to not talk about anything political, because everyone's been accusing me of being a hack. I know that makes things a little bit difficult. So I'm really sorry to disappoint you if you came to hear me make jokes about a certain someone. I know the temptation is very real. He is like a giant self-sourcing comedy pudding. <laughs> <laughs> he is the joke dessert that ices itself. You don't even have to tell him. He just goes and grabs the ukulele all by himself. <laughs> Oh dear, to get around that issue, I've decided instead to reflect on one of my favourite TV shows from the early 2000s, My Little Pony. <laughs> Friendship is magic. Uh, which, believe it or not, translates quite well to the landscape of Australian politics. For example, the leader of Equestria, Princess Celestia, has let down Australian voters yet again with her willingness to greenwash her government's reliance on fossil fuels to neighbouring... neighbouring... <laughs> yes, the puns... the puns are coming. To neighbouring pony kingdoms. She's also very sensitive about a tale... tale... <laughs> that she once charted in Old McDonald's farm in 1997. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll make a deal. Just don't shame survivors on primetime TV. Don't underfund support services, protect alleged rapists, stab people in the back, bully people, poor
pork barrel. You see, we've got a bit of an imbalance, don't we, people? Yes, that naughty little flying horned pony. <laughs> anyway, what I've decided to talk about this evening has absolutely nothing at all to do with politics whatsoever. And that thing is air fryers. <laughs> Stick with me. Actually, I suppose they are a little bit political. As one of my favourite comedians, Mark Latham, has accused me of being, since the air fryer came about, it has in some ways divided the nation. <laughs> That's the real Mark Latham, by the way, as he calls himself on Twitter. All the other Mark Lathams are not in one nation. So will the real Mark Latham please shirt front? <laughs> Sorry, I promised I wouldn't get political. It's just that I had to give him a shout out because one of the Chaser interns the other day was saying that my home, Tasmania, isn't a real place. So I figured if Tasmania isn't real, at least I can keep living rent-free in real Mark Latham's head. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just me, Rosie Batty, the 2004 election results, and pretty much, well, actually, everyone who isn't a straight white man. <laughs> it's probably why he's so mad all the time. It's pretty crowded up in there. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Yes, the humble air fryer. People seem to love it or hate it. What is this cheeky little unit that just popped up out of nowhere? <laughs> How could there possibly be this smaller version of something that does things we've already been doing this whole time, only it gets to the point a bit quicker and cuts out all the crap. <laughs> Most of its criticism seems to come from people who don't like change. Oh, but really, it's just a lightweight, metal-clad basket case inside a pressure cooker that has a little vent and no filter. <laughs> Are you catching my drift? <laughs> That's an air pun, by the way. <laughs> It doesn't really matter though, does it? Because if you're not a fan, fan, get it? <sighs> what I'm really trying to say is, if you don't like it, don't buy it. And that's not a political hack, my friends. That's just a life hack. <laughs> Woo! Great time! My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? That was great, Grace. And keep making noise. <laughs> so, Grace, you're, you're 
in retirement from being Australian idiot, you're moving into uh, white goods? Is this? What... <laughs> nah, man, air fryers are heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a great song for you from Alice and Gabby, who've written one especially for this period that we're in, in the pre-election period, because it's a really tough time for satirists, because it involves watching a lot of news. So, this is a, a brand new song from Gabby Bolt and Alice Fraser. So brand new. We need the lyrics. So brand new. <gasps> An hour ago. <laughs> I was breastfeeding. <laughs> Because when the sun comes up, we have, we have to, to read, read the fucking news, news again. again. <laughs> Do you know what that's like? Have you ever read the fucking news? Does it make you feel good? No? Well, it's our fucking job. <laughs> the 24-hour perpetual news, constantly confronted with badness. A world that is daunting and awful is enough, enough to drive you to madness. The 24-hour perpetual news We are the crackest of troops It's our job to find the wackiest side Of the worst of the world on a loop Ugh. Reading the news is like Reading the same fairy tale for bedtime every night But you don't like the story It's boring and it's awful And the moral of the story is The world's entirely fucked And no one's coming to help you <laughs> Reading the news is like of a whale. Sure, you're learning something, but at what cost? <laughs> Reading the news is like watching the final season of Game of Thrones. Things started off so well and honestly a little bit juicy, and it just kind of ended with hellfire and poor writing and way too dark. I mean, literally way too dark. Could Couldn't anyone see, see the last three episodes of that thing. show? It was horrible. I had to turn my brightness to 80. <laughs> Reading the news is like slamming a door on your foot once an hour through the day, but the foot is your brain and the door is the internet and the news is the grinding pain. <laughs> oh, horrible. <laughs> Reading the news is like being that guy in Seinfeld who always skits through the door looking surprised and making the same mistake every time. What's his name? I, I don't know. I never watched Seinfeld. Oh, uh, yeah, me neither. No, wait, his name is Michael Richards. I read about him screaming racist abuse. Oh, yeah, where did you read that? In the news. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you Do you think this makes us happy? Do you think this it keeps us fit? It's like puking down your own dress and then rolling around in shit. Dirty inside and out. Yeah, you end up feeling dirty and you end up smelling worse. You're like the ancient mariner and the news is your ancient curse. Do you have a take on Will Smith? What's your advice on Russia? I don't know, I've never made a Molotov cocktail. I hear they're delicious. Some people take up smoking or drown themselves in booze. Some people do triathlons, but we just read the news. I can't keep up with the Canberra cunts, political aerobics. Don't make me find the 
bright side, I've become totally scomophobic. You might call it charming, but don't ignore the clues. It's psychological self-harming. Please don't make us read the news. Thanks, everyone. We're, we're almost done. Please thank Dane. He's got to head off to his show. <laughs> thank you, Lexus. Our next guest on Irrational Fear is one of the best-known Australians as a foreign correspondent reporting from war zones and political hotspots around the world. Now she's looking to swap the swamp of Washington, D.C. for the sheep paddocks of Canberra. It's the independent candidate for Goldstein, Zoe Daniel. One more time. Zoe. Nice shirt there, good merch. Zoe launched her campaign today, so that's why she's got a face on her shirt. On her shirt. Look, let's get straight into it. Shari Markson uh, unearthed some tweets from your team comparing Scott Morrison to Hitler. We've all done it. Um, <laughs> so the question is, um, if you could go back in time and be face-to-face -face with baby Scott Morrison, um, <laughs> would you tell his parents to not turn him into a child actor? <laughs> Don't go into politics. Oh, right, yeah, correct. <laughs> Zoe, why are you running? Why are you deciding to ruin your life and go into politics? Yeah, why are you turning away from the glitz and the glamour of the ABC? <laughs> oh, well, the news was getting me down, so <laughs> I decided to do something more positive, go into politics. What, <laughs> Seriously, there... no. I mean, thank you, Grace, for the, for the lines, but uh, lying, cheating, rorting, scamming... Gaslighting, manipulating, disinformation. Is this your platform? And bad leadership. <laughs> <laughs> They're the reasons to do Welcome it. Welcome to the Liberal Party. <laughs> <laughs> was there a moment, was there a catalyst? Was there something you went, oh, that's too much? I'm now going in. Uh, I'd just been shouting at the TV too much. Oh. I, I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, my son, who's 15, said, Mum, someone's got to do something for us on these issues. And it's really hard to look your 15-year-old son and your 13-year-old daughter in the eye and say, nah, too hard. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, look, I, I, if you don't mind, I just want to talk about the person you're running against just for a little bit. Um, uh, my friend, uh, Tim Wilson, there he is. He loves, he loves, uh, he looks like he really, in, he's turned himself a bit of a greenie. I had a look at his Twitter profile. He loves solar panels, wind farms. Uh, he loves carbon capture manufacturing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I think we need to pause on this image. This is extraordinary. <laughs> I'm nervous about the upcoming election, and this is the brick I just shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's defamatory to say he looks like he's about to murder you with that brick. Uh, um, I disagree. I think he looks like a newborn when you pose them with those plaques. Like, four weeks <laughs> old today. He looks, I like... Think he looks like a teenager experimenting with goth makeup for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> he also um, loves uh, uh, kombucha made of, uh, made of carbon. And look at the guy who runs the, the kombucha <laughs> shop. This guy over here is like, you don't eat those. <laughs> <laughs> The guy's like, uh, he just picked up the nails and started going for it. <laughs> um, and he really hates rubbish. Oh, you know what I do with that? <laughs> come on, Gatorade sacks, guys. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a lost Oh, reference. come on. <laughs> Two really, minutes with a really, hose. 
he really hates rubbish here. Here he is picking up rubbish. I assume he's about to put that back as part of being rubbish zero uh, emissions, <laughs> uh, net zero rubbish there. So why is he turned into a greenie all of a sudden? Like, this is like the first time I've heard of Tim Wilson being a greenie. Well, <laughs> today we had a campaign launch and we had 2,000 people there and we have thousands of people in the community wow. behind the campaign. Wow. Just one-tenth so, of the size of this crowded irrational <laughs> fear. Something's got to give. Are and there 10,000 the people in the IPA? There... <laughs> <laughs> you could do with more solar panels on your Twitter bio, by the way. Uh, yeah. Point taken. So, like, when people look at you and they see him being a climate hero and you being a climate hero, who, would they, who should they vote for? Uh, the person who hasn't been in politics for six years and not delivered. Look, I just want to play the first minute of something quickly here. Sky News ran a big smear campaign against the, um, against the Climate 200 people, people who... Imagine that. The, the independents that are running. Let's play a quick game of, uh, of Hang On A Sec. As we play this, if you want to chime in, just say Hang On A Sec. They call themselves Voices Of, a gaggle of independent candidates who are set to play a significant role in the coming campaign. They say they're not a political party, these independent voices all sing from the same hymn book. Climate action, political integrity, gender equality. Campaign rules <laughs> are similar. Hang on a sec. How dare they? <laughs> Evil! Hang on a second, who did the score for this? The guy who wrote Inception? Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was hot. Wow. Like, very sinister. It's, it's oh. like one of those challenges like Jimmy Fallon does, where you're like, I'm going to give you the nicest words in the world and try to make them sound evil. <laughs> Great actor. It's like, that's fucking extraordinary. And also, did she call you a gaggle? <laughs> yes, a gaggle. Pe Pe Peter wants to stay oppressed. She does. She really doesn't want gender equality. <laughs> and they all have another thing that binds them together. Jeez. A common enemy, incumbent liberal MPs. <laughs> I'm Zoe Daniel, and I'm your community-backed independent candidate for Goldstein. Why these Climate 200 guerrilla games matter is not just that Liberal seats could fall, but that Liberal campaign hardheads will waste time and money trying to hang on to electorates that, by right, shouldn't be at risk. Wow! <laughs> hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. It's oh. almost like we're in a democracy or something. <laughs> They're going to waste time and energy doing politics their job. Isn't that the most bizarre, fucked up thing? It's like when people complain about the Murdoch media undermining democracy, it's because they don't believe in democracy. <laughs> It's rightfully ours. In this game, can I, I say hang on a second? Forever. I just need a second. Yes. And for the Liberal MPs in them, like the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, hang every moment he's at home trying to shore up Kuyong, his time is not in a marginal seat that they've got to win. Now, Climate 200 is financing around 20 independent candidates. People like Zoe Daniel. Oh. And it's no coincidence that they're almost all women. It's what? part of a deliberate ploy to highlight the Liberal Party's so-called problem with women. So, I don't want to use the word conspiracy, but I'm going to say it's certainly an organised of, of, of people who are doing their best 
to stop Liberals and Nationals from winning the coming election. Yes! Hey, I don't want to use the word conspiracy, so I'm just going to point and scream witch. Like, what? <laughs> Zoe, now that you've seen a portion of that, how do you feel? Wow, I hadn't seen that. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's a minute 36. You're never going to get back again. And Every now that we've got you here, talk us through the conspiracy <laughs> you and this gaggle of other women are putting together to get equality. Right, we need us at the table. Thanks very yeah, much, thank Zoe. You. Look, you know, uh, at the end of this financial year, uh, our Bertha money runs out, so I need to get your number for George Soros to continue the money. <laughs> Please thank Zoe Daniel, everyone. And, oh, before, we, uh, before Lewis takes us home, we've got one more, one more message from our sponsor, Oil Cares, for a quick word on workers' rights, apparently. <laughs> No. <laughs> Yuck. Forum, please give it up for Lewis Hubbard! Hello! Thank you so much. Uh, this is a real delight, a real pri uh, privilege and an honour to be here at the Forum Theatre. Okay, let's get stuck into it. If there's one thing we know our Prime Minister loves, it's tourism. The last time he did anything we even kinda liked, it was chucking Bingle on a beach and asking where the bloody hell are you? His commitment to tourism is so powerful that he walks the walk even when tourism isn't convenient, when it isn't easy, when the entire country is on fire, he puts on his little tourist shirt and he goes to Hawaii. All he wants is for people to get on a plane and travel. He's less keen on boats. <laughs> but this week, there was a new Australian tourism ad that really caught my eye. And before I play it for you, I'll give you a clue. It is not an ad for a foot fetish website. <laughs> you will think it is. <laughs> but it is not. We've long been a land of explorers and adventurers travellers and trailblazers. We've traversed all manner of terrains, chased the horizon in every direction, climbed higher, descended deeper, gone further. And still, the quest continues. There will always be more to explore. So, where to from here? We say, bring on the beyond. Our boldest adventure yet. Australia. We're going to the moon. What? When? How? And also, what? First up, why does going to the moon look like a gap year? It starts by saying we're a land of explorers. Maybe they don't remember, but for the last three years, the only travelling we've done have been from the bed to the working from home desk, and if we're lucky, to the couch for a little cry. <laughs> also, so many feet, yuck. It looks like it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. The print ad for this campaign is this. It's a thong on the moon. 
Looks like Uncle Steve got on the wrong plane to Bali. <laughs> but I will say this. There is something genuinely quite sweet about the phrase, G'day, Moon. <laughs> it's something that Steve Irwin might have said quietly to himself while he was camping with the family. G'day, Moon. G'day, Tent. G'day, Terry. G'day, Tree. G'day, Steve. Yeah, let's let that settle in. Love you, Steve. No, I can't wait to see what Australians do to the moon. In some ways, it's the safest place to send Australians. We can't be trusted in Asia and Europe. We will piss in the sea of tranquility. We will draw a dick next to Neil Armstrong's footprint. And every single one of us will drop our dacks and moon the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was this? Why are we going to the moon? You may not have heard yet, but we already put a man on there. It made the news in 1969. There, no one has been on the moon since 1973. It has less foot traffic than the Docklands. <laughs> and look, I know Australia has a history of like discovering things after they've been discovered. And we're not 60,000 years late this time, but going to the moon, it just feels weird. What are we doing? I, I looked into it a little, right? I was like, why are we going to the moon? I did some investigative journalism. I went to the G'day Moon website. <laughs> First of all, no one's going to the moon, right? A semi-autonomous robot is going to the moon. They don't, they don't have feet. <laughs> also, we're gonna build this semi-autonomous robot. It's gonna cost us a fortune, which is a waste of money, because our country is already full of semi-autonomous robots. <laughs> They're just walking around. You can grab one for nothing. <laughs> so what does Australia offer someone like NASA when it comes to space exploration? We've already let them use the telescope at parks. <laughs> what more could we possibly do? Well, there is something Australia does really well. We are world number one at it. And if you want to stay across this particular Australian skill set, I suggest you subscribe to this exciting magazine, <laughs> The Australian Mining Review. Any fans? <laughs> Any subscribers? The centerfolds. Mwah! <laughs> when you, and it, in the Australian Mining Review, you'll get to see this very relaxing news that there's a new board of Rio Tinto, Oz Minerals, and all the big mining companies, <laughs> they're formed together to take our mining expertise to space. Yeah, that's right. Now, I don't know for sure that we're planning to mine the moon. <laughs> but let's be honest. We're gonna mine the fucking moon. <laughs> it's one small step for mines, one giant leap for mankind. Does this suddenly make more sense to you? If you think blasting miners into space is a cool idea, you're absolutely right. It's such a cool idea, it's the plot for Armageddon. <laughs> Unfortunately, as I mentioned, we're only gonna be sending a little rocket to space. 
So it's less Armageddon and it's more like Wally if it was written by Matt Canavan. <laughs> as soon as you realise that we're going to the moon, this whole ad makes more sense. The only thing more Australian than a thong is a big fucking hole in the ground. Sometimes you feel like Australian politicians must look at Uluru and wonder why we have something that actually sticks up. And it's like, that's gone the wrong way. What is that, some kind of reverse hole? You gotta dig down, boys! You gotta dig down! <laughs> there are gonna be people who are against mining the moon. They'll say, oh, Australia can't be trusted with the moon. Australia can't even be trusted with Australia. Give the moon to Denmark or something. Like, give it to someone who knows what the hell they're doing. Not me, I'm excited. Let's go fuck up the moon. <laughs> There's a reason no one goes there, you know, it's boring. The moon's the third drawer of the solar system. It's there, we don't need it. <laughs> it's a sleeper, that one. You go home and you go, huh, it's rubber bands. <laughs> but here's a true fact, right? Because I think sometimes nature tries to warn us humans when we're doing something wrong, right? Here's a true fact. The moon moves one and a half inches away from the Earth every year. I think it knows what we're planning. <laughs> and it's backing away. <laughs> the G'day Moon ad felt so weird to watch because we all knew something was off about it, right? Like, you just see it for the first time, you're like, what? This is wrong, right? And now we know why. But I have to say, it was so close to being the perfect ad. So close. It was nearly an ad that captured not just the essence of one space mission, but the modern Australian mission. The very core of the Aussie spirit, an ad that could finally hold a candle to bingle when it comes to showing the world who we are. It just needed one tiny change for all Australians to see it and think, oh yeah, it makes total sense that our government made that ad. G'day mine. It almost makes you wish that this was an ad for a foot fetish website. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is it for Irrational Fear. Please give it up for our guests, Alice, Dane, Lewis, Zoe, Gabby, Vidya, DJ, Andy McClellan, Grace freaking Tang. Big thank you to Nathan, Yvonne, and all the Token family, and all the great folks at Mariner and the forum. Sorry, ran over late. Big thank you to Sophie Matinee, Megan Herbert, Beck Melrose, Andres. Also, big thank you to Jacob Brown, the Bertha Foundation, Road Mics, and until our live show at the Opera House in two months' time, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.